How's it going, everybody? It is Austin and Ashley, episode seven. Um, we're a little bit later this time. It's coming out a few days later than we wanted to, but we had a crazy week. Um, but we think this is going to be a very uh, important podcast conversation that we have for you all and for us, too. Yes, I think it will be. Um... So, we usually keep this pretty light and pretty uh, focused on us in the sense of what's gone and on, what's going on in our life in the time, but at the same time, like, what our journey as a married couple, but with everything going on this week, this month, uh, we just couldn't think of anything else to really talk about because this has been on our minds a lot over the last couple of days. And babe, do you want to talk about the subject we want to talk about? Yeah, I think it's, for me, I think in just thinking about the podcast journey, I wanted it to be real and raw. And I feel um, that sometimes, you know, let's say things are going on that aren't directly related to me, but I am involved. I can't talk about it for... For various reasons but um something like this I feel like I can speak on because it is something that is close to my heart and kind of directly impacts and affects me and so I think um I didn't want to put out an episode this week of something that's not really what we talk what we've been talking about or been yeah. focusing on like you like you said so I, I think hopefully this conversation is one of many that we can have, mm-hmm. um, not just within ourselves, but with friends and family and yeah, and continue to have conversations like this where we can learn people's stories and learn how to educate ourselves better. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like people, when this goes up, will know what we're talking about. We're talking about... Um, George Floyd and the horrible situation that happened a few days ago, a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Wasn't it on Monday? I don't don't know the exact Uh, date. Ahmaud Ahmaud Arbery was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And the horrible act of him dying at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer when it didn't need to happen. Um, and it's caused a lot of, uh, internal thinking for us as a couple, but it's also caused a lot of grief for so many Americans, so many Americans of color. And as we speak right now, uh, there's, there's peaceful protests going on in many cities, but then there's also been some riots or looting going on in many cities close to, close to our friends and family. Um, that live in downtown Los Angeles to uh, other friends that live in other parts of the country. But this is definitely something that's going on and has changed the perspective of the of Americans and what we're talking about and what we're looking at. And I think that there's a bigger conversation to have about how to make change for our black brother and sisters in this time. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, so we're recording on 
uh, Saturday night this week, which we've never done before. Mm-hmm. But currently, as we're speaking, the mayor of L.A., which we don't live in L.A., particularly we live in the county of Los Angeles. We don't but, live in the city of L.A., but we live in the county. But they declared a curfew at 8 p.m., and so it's 9.23, but we know that people are still out there rioting and... Protesting. And protesting. Uh, and so... I I think it's it's really a tough tough thing that's going on right now as we're even just just speaking. So yeah. Um, but I think you know, like I said earlier, and as I've been kind of just sharing on on my personal social media, I think it's just really starting to have those conversations and to acknowledge privilege that mm-hmm. we do have. Um, and you know something that I have often struggled with and have had many conversations with Austin and you know a lot of trusted people in my life is um I am black uh I'm also Salvadorian and I'm also English and a little bit of Cherokee Indian as well I mean just kind of all over the place and um I think for me, I didn't grow up with my black side of my family um, in the sense that I grew up with my uncles who were mixed and half white or half English and half black, Um, but my grandfather wasn't involved in my life or a big part of my life. He was kind of in and out. And so I didn't really get to know my black side of my family even though I know that's part of who I am. And mm-hmm. so I think that, that um, that's always kind of been with me. And it's always been something that, you know, I want to change. And so I think in this time, the, the things that I'm like really contemplating and thinking about is how can I do better as a person who does have black you know, family members and ancestors and have lineage that probably dates back to, you know, just really intense traumatic events. How can I be better in educating myself um, and not coming from a place of privilege because I don't look black? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think in this time, that's really ignited uh, some feelings in me. Yeah. To really, you know, begin to do a better job and work. There's work that I need to do personally. Yeah. And I'm not black. And uh, I I grew up with a lot of privilege too. Um, and, and, and as a man of color, I'm also not white. But I grew up in... I grew up with a lot of privilege, with a lot of opportunity... With a lot of blessings, with a lot of things that uh, people that a lot of people don't have. I, I if if we're looking at this as a race, I was you know I was blessed or born with privileges where I could start the race off in a better place, and I recognize that every day. And um, now there's obviously there's there's been points in my life, and there's been times in my life when. There hasn't been as much privilege in the situation. And I've been pulled over numerous times. 
I've been pulled over by police numerous times for for no reason other than I looked suspicious and was asked questions like, "Do you do you have a warrant out for your arrest?" When I was like nineteen, uh, when I was at college, I don't share this with many people. I was walking back, I was walking back from somewhere, and a police officer, I think I assume, was looking for somebody, and he had his gun drawn and he was going through the dorms and he pointed it at me and that forever I could close my eyes and I could still see that moment and it was always scary and but I but to be honest with you regardless of all those situations that I've been in there's there's a lot more opportunities and privileges that I've seen and have and I recognize that and I need to be somewhere someone that speaks up against injustices that I see in the places that I work or the places that I socialize and I need to make sure that I recognize those. And I think that that's, that's what this, I think that's what we're, the conversation really comes from today is there's a lot of, when we saw the horrible video, I mean, I've seen it all the way through. I don't think you have, huh? I don't think you want to. I don't think you. I've seen clips of it, but I personally just cannot watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's just traumatic. too traumatic. Yeah, I mean, when you watch that, a piece of you, like for me at least, my heart aches for him and for that situation because it, no one deserves to be treated like that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and also there's an aspect of me that I have family members that are police officers. Right. I have family members that I love with everything in my heart and I respect all the stuff that they do as police officers. And in no way... I think I I feel in no way do I want to disrespect the badge because I think there's a difference between the badge and the person and some cowards use the badge as a tool to do bad and horrible things and violent things to people and that's not fair to those that are doing the right thing every single day. Right. And and I think that the conversation the question that I want to ask you first babe is like, when you do watch the clips of the video or you do see everything that's going on, like, what does that make you feel? How do you feel? Like, where's your mind? Like, what's going on? I, I think it's just... My heart just breaks and it's just hard. I mean, it's really hard and tough to see. I am going to be the first person to say... I don't know fully all the struggles of the black community or even just, you know, maybe even of a black woman and what she faces. Um, although I am black, I don't look black. And so for that alone in itself, I, you know, some people might say, that, you know, well, I do have privilege in that sense. And so I think it just hurts me because that's just no one should see their loved ones being attacked the way that black men and, and black women have been attacked and killed senselessly. And I think it just stirs up a lot of emotion in me. And it just hurts my heart. It makes me angry. Um, and, you know, I think that could be someone that I love and that I know and that I hold close and dear to my heart. It easily could have been someone that I know and love. And so I think it's just, it's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, sometimes I feel like 
I don't even have the right words really to express like how I'm feeling. Um, and I think, you know, part of it though too is I'm tired of being silent because I think for a lot of time I didn't feel like I should say anything because I'm not fully black, but at the same time I, I do feel like just staying silent isn't helping me either. And so I do want to be able to share more of, of my journey and my thoughts and my process. Um, not because I like I have anything great to say, uh, but more it's just I want to be transparent with the way that I'm feeling. And so mm-hmm. I, I think I agree with you too. You know, obviously it's it's a tough place to be in because I understand why people are angry, but I also don't think you know, looting and rioting and doing peaceful protests, I think is one thing for sure. Um, but you know, I think the looting and rioting part is, is difficult and police officers are being put in danger's way. And there are people that we know that are cops and family members that are cops. And so, you know, I think there's like concern for all of that too. So I, I do appreciate, though, when I see the cops, you know, standing in solidarity with people, bowing, you know, knee, uh, or kneeling with other people. And, you know, the good things that have come out of this, too. There's been a lot of love and, and understanding, a lot of conversations. I think just even on my own social media, a lot of people who I've seen silent in many years or through the years, they're speaking out. And these are white people, brown people, everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think... I really do feel maybe there is some movement going on. And so, and you know, a lot of people will say it's because of some of these protests and things that are happening that people are like waking up and realizing these things. Yeah. So it's just tough. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm really hurt by, I'm really hurt by the way this this human was treated and he lost his life and there's a sports person that I listen to that actually does podcasts and he was friends with George Floyd and he said that this guy George Floyd just actually went to move to Minneapolis to start his life and like get it moving and growing and he was going to trekking school and now it's gone and that's the stuff that hurts me is like people trying to make trying to do better, trying to make themselves better, lose their life for no reason other than somebody's horrible decisions and racist acts. And it's crazy to me that we, in 2020, we still have to deal with this stuff. Uh, for me, it, like I've been seeing it on Instagram a lot. People put like, racism isn't growing, it's just being filmed. And I think that's very much true. And I think for me, like one of the, one of the sh- signs that I saw it from earlier this year was I work at a co- I work at a college and some stupid fraternity put a social media post up for their rush week and then try to subliminally put the n-word but they put it on there unjust enough so people could notice it and it caused just like it should have it caused the biggest uproar um there was a town hall meeting where some of my students that are in leadership roles had to answer because of some things that were said and the stories over and over and over again 
were unbelievably sad of teachers saying things to black students of other students hearing it from from other students like it's in the shadows and that's the part that really bothers me that burns me and if we sit here especially me now hearing it multiple times if we sit here and pretend like oh i didn't know this happens then that i'm part of the problem Mm -hmm. right i think that We've got to recognize in any position of power that there's this stuff going on. And a lot of the reason why the stuff that is happening is because of the systemic issues and racism from the institutions that we're part of. If we don't have people of color, especially black people, in positions of power or positions where they can make a difference, these things can happen and will happen and have been happening. Mm -hmm. And so... For me, I think I take I I think that I want to with Ashley me and Ashley talk about this here and there, but more or less towards uh, election time is like who are we voting for that's gonna better do like seize the world in our views? Like me and Ashley, like we don't really want to talk about politics on here, but we're not voting for people directly because our mom and dads want us to, or that was the way we should we read up on them. Ashley does a very good job at reading up on people and finding out who best fits us, right? We don't do it just because our church tells, excuse me, we don't do it just because our church tells us to do it. We don't do it just because our parents tell us to do it. We don't do it even because our spouses decide to do it. There's been times when me and Ashley, not a lot, but me and Ashley will debate like who we think is going to be the best person in office for our local stuff. And it's because we want to make sure that we are doing everything we could to have people in those places that are going to that are going to defend us and what we stand for. And part of that is defending marginalized communities like uh, the like the black community and the Latinx community. For us, those things are important. And if we don't do that and we just kind of pretend as if there's nothing we can do or we pretend as if. Um, just listening to whatever we hear on TV is good enough, then we're not doing enough. Right. We're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, another question I guess I wanted to ask you, babe, is like, what, what is, what do you think from, from everything we've seen in the last couple days, weeks, what do you think is going to change in our lives? from your perspective because of this? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the questions that I was thinking about asking you is, like, what can we do to change, right? So I think it's a conversation collectively that we have to have with each other. For me, personally, I feel like I... I want to get to know black culture more. I want to read up on it. I want to watch documentaries on it. Maybe listen to podcasts. Talk to people within my own life. And just really try and delve in and understand the oppression and years of oppression that people, that black people have felt and feel. I think um, I was having a conversation with my uncle last night and and you know, we were talking about how the black community 
they may act a certain way because for years and years they've been told that they're not good enough, that their lives don't matter. And so I think it's just, that's sad to me. It's sad to me that there's people out in this world that feel like their lives aren't valued and mattered. And I think black people feel that way. And that's really disturbing to me and hurtful. And so, you know, I think even me as a woman of color, I have imposter syndrome in a lot of situations in my job. I had what it when that? I went to college. Imposter syndrome is feeling like you don't belong because of either your racial identity, the color of your skin, uh, gender, whatever it may be. Factors out of your control. Right. And so for me, I have definitely imposter syndrome. And even, you know, in the post, as I was sharing earlier, even me posting what I did on my Instagram made me nervous because I didn't know how people would react. Thankfully, people reacted well. But I mean, I sometimes feel like are people going to doubt that I'm even black, you know, or Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's something that I struggle with. And I, I, it's not poor me or I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, everyone feel bad for me. That's not what I'm trying to, to get at. But I think at the end of the day, I, I can relate in some sense to how black people may feel at times. Um, they may feel like imposters. They may feel like they're not valued. And that's, that's just really sad to me. And so for me, I think... It's continuing to have conversations like this with people that I know and that I love and that I trust to do my own research to, you know, maybe look into ways that we can contribute uh, monetarily, but also just in reading and supporting organizations that fight for black lives and fight for um, just people uh, of color and and really just educate ourselves. I think in in rechanging and reframing our thinking will ultimately shape our hearts, our conversations. If we can do that within our home, you know, that's a small step in in changing, you know, hopefully our spheres of influence and other people mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, too, from my perspective of, like, things that we can do to... to to move in the right direction. I think one of the things obviously is understanding the situation as, as well as we possibly can is obviously is very helpful. But I think me and you are really much involved in education. Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're looking at ourselves with a very uh, critical lens, I think both of us, like we work in higher ed and I mean, we both work with marginalized communities but to say that we do everything in our power to do that, I would say we can do better. And I think for me, at least, I can speak for myself, is I would love to take the step to support students and to help kids really see their dreams come true from marginalized communities. Because I've been blessed enough to come from areas where, I, I, you know, the, the community was very much a privileged city where we live now, where we, where I lived all my life and I'm blessed for that. But I, you know what, that's a part of part of my identity that I think will be very much enriched and fulfilled because that's a piece that I'm missing. I know it doesn't really have much to do with, 
um, what's going on right now. But I think if there's a part of my identity that I struggle with is I've always felt on the outside looking in when it comes to the Latino community. Right. And I I see it all day. I think about it all the time. And it's hard for me because I don't speak Spanish. My family doesn't speak Spanish. They... The term white passing has been used for me all the time. I've been in situations where people make fun of me because my name's Austin instead of, you know, Augustine or whatever. But I think even deeper than that, I think that for me to work and to put in the hard work with students and kids to help them get to college would be a way for me to put action, to make an action plan. And that's been something we've talked about, about starting a nonprofit, about working with these communities and doing everything we can in our power. And I think that like with COVID-19, we were motivated to do this podcast. This could be our motivation to really take those steps forward. I don't know the first thing to do. I don't know where to go, but I think I'm smart enough to figure it out with you. And then with you, both of us, both our brains, especially your brain, I think we can get it done. And so... I think of that and I think of, you know, educating those that need help. Yeah. I think maybe one of the questions I do have for you kind of to wrap it up is as Christians, Mm. how can we, (laughs) how can we stand with the black community in these times? Well, I mean... I think it goes without saying that this is probably not PC, but I wish there was a I wish there was a better outreach for a lot of the churches in our area to our black communities. One, mm-hmm. two. The reason being, kind of like what I was getting at before, is their narrative is not if they're not there in the room, their narrative is not right talked talked about, and so I think for our perspective with the small sphere of influence we have is we need to have those conversations as difficult as they may be, right? I think those that are in our group, I think that those people that we talk to are very much feel the same, feel in the same way we do. But for those conversations that may be more difficult with people that we are barely getting to know, like sharing the way we're feeling about these certain situations will at least give them the opportunity to see it from a perspective they may not have seen it from. Right? right? We we can't go into these places and pretend as if we're not hurting when we're hurting. Mm-hmm. That's going to just stem stronger problems and feelings if we don't do that. So I think one of the ways from a Christian point of view and from our realm is like, one, we've got to be able to share these narratives. But secondly, we also got to forgive those that we think may be hurting us. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus makes it very clear you need to forgive those. Right. And he even said it, you could quote it probably better than me, but he even said it while he was on the cross. Lord, please forgive those for they don't know what they have done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's that aspect to it too. Maybe not today. Maybe not when you're in the heart of the anger. That's the conversation you need to have. And I feel like that's sometimes going back, like the perspective piece, like be able to understand the room or understand the 
the situation. So maybe not 24 hours after the people are really hurting, you say, well, you need to forgive them. But you give them that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Later. I think that all those pieces are part of this conversation. And then at the other part is like when we say we need to help those communities, we need to do that. When we're where we live and how we operate, we can't pretend as if there aren't black people in these communities. There one thousand percent are. Right. And how are we there to support, be there with them, ask what we can do to help them, do all those pieces. Mm-hmm. That's that's the part that I think a lot of people miss is they like to pretend as if it doesn't where I'm from at least. Where I grew up, they like to pretend as if, oh, well, there's not that many black people here, so it's not really a thing here. No, there is. And those people are hurting too. Right. You're just not taking the time to reach out because that's too much work for you. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, as a Christian and being a Christian my whole life, you know, I did grow up differently than Austin in that I had a lot of different ethnicities and races surrounding me and so I did have you know black friends and I did too but it's just different I just live in a different area right right I didn't live in Los Angeles I lived but I think even in the mixed areas and mixed you know friend groups that I did have I I think the you know the church as a whole we have lacked in in supporting minorities and people of color. And that includes black people. And so I think as a Christian, my heart is also hurting as well because Jesus loves black people. Jesus loves brown people. Jesus loves all people regardless of color. But I I think in the church community, in the white church community, People aren't able, black people aren't able to express themselves. It's looked mm-hmm. down upon. They have to become whitewashed to fit yeah. in. And I don't think that that's okay. Yeah. And so I feel like churches and even myself as a Christian, mixed black woman, I need to do better. And so, and to not shy away from those tough conversations, like you said, you know, within our Christian friend groups and circles. Have those tough conversations because we need to be real and raw and challenge ourselves to do better. Challenge ourselves and not to come from a place of of anger, but a place of of love and wanting to just really talk about how we're feeling. Yeah, and like reconciliation. Right. Or right. Healing. Right. Healing is key. Well, I think part of it is is there's ignorance and they just people just don't know or they don't yeah. care to know. And so that time of not wanting to know and not being able to do your research, we have the internet, so you can look up these things. You can't stay ignorant these days. Yeah, but if you don't have to feel guilty because it's not in your quote-unquote community or world, that's a problem. Obviously, you can like you can find it within yourself to step up, and I and I hope everyone does, but like let's be honest, people won't, right? People won't yeah, do that. Yeah, because it's uncomfortable. But yeah. that's what I'm saying is I'm challenging us as a couple because it is going to be uncomfortable to do mm-hmm. it. We got to step out of that that comfort zone. Yes, and, and I so, agree. And part of that is 
having those tough conversations, calling people out if we need to from a place of love, but like saying like, that's, that may be how you feel, but that's not been my experience. This is how I feel. Yeah. And I mean, in taking those little steps and challenging ourselves to have those tough conversations, I think is critical. And I wouldn't even say calling people out. I'd say bringing people in. No, yeah. And showing them how... Maybe not calling people out. And showing them how, like, okay, you think that... I mean, obviously, we're we're talking about people that are hypothetical. Like, this is imaginary people. You think that the looting is worse than what really happened, but what happened is really bad. But still, like, we shouldn't be destroying our country. Well, having that conversation of pushing back on then the looting is a result to show the anger from a situation because there hasn't been change over 300 years, right? There has never been change. Nothing changes. It's a new person every week, every month, and we need things to change. And these stores, these institutions that are here to support us need to hear us. And at the end of the day, that's why they do that. And so... Not that's to me a personal example of like you're right, exactly right. Like we need to call them in and be like, Okay, you're mad about the you're mad about the looting and the rioting, but you're not doing anything to support uh change to the way that police officers are being trained in the city of Minneapolis or nationwide, then how can you you can't have both. You gotta step up. Right. So I think that I feel like that's where we should that's that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it in in our Christian world, in our regular social world, in our everything world. Yeah. And and I feel I'm thankful that we have friends and people that I feel will hear us for sure. Yeah. And I mean I think, you know, at the end of the day it's God transforming our hearts, God yeah. transforming our world, our society, and working in us, you know, and 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 I do believe in the power of prayer, and I do believe that God can heal the hurt that has been inflicted upon the black community. But there has to be some change and some some determination to want to change as well. Yeah. And I think hopefully this the this tough these tough lessons and you know George Floyd and. I mean, the tragedy that happened to him will begin to start to stir up some of that in people that have maybe lived in a state of privilege, including myself. Including me too. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely, like I said, an uncomfortable, it's those tough conversations. It makes me feel nervous. It, but I I mean, I'm tired of, of, being complacent and I'm tired of being silent and so I think this is hopefully a step in the right direction and this is something that you know a time in my life that I don't think I'll ever forget and that hopefully years from now I'll look back and say like that was a pivotal moment in my life where Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn and educate myself more and be better yeah well I think that's a good way to end it feel like one thing we can do this week is what are you learning researching reading to help better understand a community you're not a part of doesn't need to be black community it could be anything but i think if you read listen watch something about those communities i think that that would be huge 
That's one of the groups that I advise on campus. We do that every week. We get to learn about new communities, about different things all the time. And I always leave feeling a little bit better about myself because I get to understand the world a little bit better. So, well, babe, thank you for, this was fun in the sense of like being able to get it out. Yeah. Um, I love you. Love you too. And we will see you all later. Bye. Bye.